Greetings, X-Zone Nation. This is Bob Williams, host of The Morning Show on KKRP 1610 in Callington, Oklahoma. On behalf of the staff and management, we wish Rob, Laura, and all the members of the X-Zone Nation a very Merry Christmas and a happy and prosperous 2012. Merry Christmas, everyone, and I'll catch you on the airwaves. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Do you believe in love and love? I can feel something. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Worldwide toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. Email exxon at com On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxonradiotv.com. My guest this hour is Dr. Robert Christensen, and we're going to be talking to the good doctor about his book. It's called FDA, You Were Wrong. Now, the FDA is supposed to benefit American citizens, right? Eh. Well, maybe so, but Dr. Robert Christensen says the FDA's approval process is fraught with internal conflicts, biases, and you're not going to believe this, right? Uh, wink. Corruption. Don't believe it? His book, FDA, You Were Wrong, exposes many of the same evils of overregulation that uh, Senator Rand Paul attacks in his book, Government Bullies. Joining me now from the beautiful state of Arizona, I'm sorry, Colorado, is Dr. Bob Christensen. Dr. Bob, welcome to the X-Zone. Thank you, Rob. It's nice to be here. Thanks for the invite. well, you know, I, I had to laugh when I was reading the information you were so kind to send us that people actually believe that uh, the FDA uh, yeah, yeah. doesn't lie. There's no corruption. <laughs> you know, haven't they ever heard of yeah. one simple word called aspartame? That's just one of many examples. That's exactly right. I tell you, by the time you get done reading my book, FDA, you're wrong, you'll begin to see all sorts of corruption and, and things in it. I was amazed at it uh, at starting as a oral surgeon some 64 years ago, coming out of the Navy during the Korean War and so forth, and, mm-hmm. and in practice, and, one, and then finally getting involved many years later with the Food and Drug Administration, that became a real eye-opener, but you, you've spoken to that, and I'll, I'll get off and let you say what you like to there. T- tell me, Doctor, what was your inspiration for writing this book? Well, let me take you back, if I can, sure. is that all right, a ways? Yep. As I mentioned, I... Uh, 
uh, had come out of the Korean War as a surgeon with the Marines for mm -hmm. a couple of years there, then a, a corpsman in the Second World War, started to practice in Pasadena. We didn't have at that time, I was an oral maxillofacial surgeon, didn't have any really good way of, of correcting a problem in the temporal mandibular joint, and it, that's the jaw joint. And uh, it turned out about 10 years later, after not finding a good method of treating degenerative problems of this joint, that I came up with something which was very much like the hip surgeons had found in their treatment of hip joint problems, mm -hmm. and that was to literally build either a partial joint or a total joint. If I could get by with a partial joint, it meant that I'd put, uh, I'd put a piece of metal between the base of the skull, which is the upper part of the joint, and the ball of the, of the lower jaw, which was the, the lower part. Well, this, this had never been done before. So for the next uh, 20, 30 years, I'm doing this, teaching it. Patients are just doing great. They've made TV programs out of it and so forth. And, but I finally decided I needed to take it to the world, so I started in 88 a, a um, medical device company called TMJ Implants. And we would manufacture and sell and teach and so forth this surgery that I'd been doing then for 30-something years or near 40 years, can't remember. And that's when I began to get involved with Food and Drug Administration. Now, just a little word there. I'm, I'm not here to just uh, uh, go after the whole Food and Drug mm -hmm. Administration, but there are certainly people in there that are just... Uh, uh, have gone gone amok. All right, what we're going to do, and, Doctor, is you and I are going to take yeah. a two-minute commercial break because this is going to be a very interesting hour and I don't want to have to okay. stop you as we get into the, the meat of the matter, so to speak. Right. Exonation, my very special guest this hour is Dr. Robert Christensen, www.drbobscrusade.com, and we'll be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as the Exxon continues wherever, right here live from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Dr. Bob Christensen is our very special guest this hour. He's the author of FDA, You Were Wrong. His website is www.drbobscrusade.com. And uh, Dr. Bob, before we went to the commercial break, you were telling us how you formed a company called TMJ. And, um, you know, you started the process of, of, of manufacturing these. Um, what are they? Would they be like, uh, how would you describe what they are? 
Well, there's two parts to it. If, if you, Let me first describe a little bit the hip. If mm-hmm. you think of the hip joint as a cup and a, a ball, well, we have sort of the same thing, the same thing in, excuse me a minute, the same, oh, I'm sorry, same thing in the temporal mandibular joint. We have the, the cup part of the temporal mandibular joint, or jaw joint, is mm-hmm. the base of the skull, just in front of the ear. The ball part comes off the lower jaw, and it rests in that, that cup, you might say. Now, we have two of them. We have one on the right, and we have one on the left. And uh, you might see the same in the hip. you got a right hip and a left hip. Right. Nobody had figured out how do, you, how do you place something in this joint, particularly the jaw joint, because it's not just a cup shape. It's S-shaped. It, it, it's cup and then a downward slope of an upside-down mountain, you might say. And then this ball lies up in it. And then we, as we move our jaw, the ball slides up and down this uh, downward slope. Well, nobody figured out how do you know the shape of that bone? How do you go into surgery? This, this is going back now, what, 52 years ago when I first came up with it. And it, I was driving down the road one day from uh, Pasadena towards Santa Barbara, and I had a, a patient that I'd been seeing for a month or two, which was a young Catholic nun named Sister Lucille. Well, she'd had two prior surgeries. They'd first gone in and taken out the disc, which, sli- which lies normally between the two bone surfaces, but the disc wears out. It'll get a hole in it. It'll just get bunched up. And, and then, then when, that began, when the uh, ball began to fuse to the base of the skull because there was no separating media in there, then they cut the ball off, and then the neck of that part of the bone fused to the base of the skull. So now I'm seeing this gal six or seven years after her first procedure. She's, she's now about 30 years of age. And I knew I could go in and recreate the joint, but what was I going to do to prevent this bone from fusing to the base of the skull? Mm-hmm. And that was the problem. And so I'm driving down the road, and all of a sudden I get this this vision, you might say. It wasn't a vision, but this uh, concept. I could take the ten skulls I have, make a pattern to fit it, cast it in metal, and then go in with the surgery with one of those patterns. That's what I did. That was in 1961. And that's how it started. Does that make sense to you? It it does. It does. And when when, when did you start? You know the the um, the company. Well, not the company, but when did you start the problems, or when did the problems start happening between yourself and the FDA? Well, that didn't start until after the company. I, I formed the company in '87, mm-hmm. but the the Food and Drug Administration didn't have a medical device. Uh, amendment to their food and drug uh, laws and so forth until 1976. So they weren't doing anything with these devices and drugs and so forth. So at least with the, with the devices, maybe they were with drugs. But I'd been doing this since 1960. So 16 years before that, I'd been putting this in uh, dozens and hundreds of patients and uh, and never had a problem with it. Now here comes the FDA with the, the law in there. Well, it wasn't until I started a company some uh, X numbers of years later, 1987, 1988, then I had to go seek approval by the Food and Drug Administration. Well, that's when I began to realize the tremendous arrogance and final, finally even corruption of this FDA group. I mean, the, the group that I was dealing with, it, it was just uh, ridiculous. And they put obstacles in wherever you could throw an obstacle, and they, they did it. Does that help a little bit? Yeah, it does. But the question is, Doctor, if you had been so successful with 
this device and, and like you said, uh, hundreds of, of patients. You know, why did you get the flack from the FDA? They should have been there patting you on the back and saying, this is great. That's exactly right. They uh, remember now, I, I came up with the idea of patent. You got to put U.S. patent on yeah. in 1960 when I filed it. And it wasn't until 1999 that the Food and Drug Administration decided to have a an approval process for this device. Now, this is what, 40 years later, Christensen's been out there doing this yeah. across the nation and teaching it and, and never having a problem and taking care of hundreds and literally thousands of patients. And then all of a sudden, and then, then, then I start a company, and the company's selling it to tens of thousands of of, of patients or doctors, uh, maybe a thousand doctors, but ten thousand patients, mm-hmm. and we still don't have any problem with it. And then the FDA said, "Well, now we got to do an approval." Well, the problem came right then. By this time, a second company had developed, which is copied my original work. They came in with different materials, but the person at the FDA, the investigator, and the one that had all the control, she had trained she, as a surgeon. She had trained under the head of the other company ah. that had been out for about five or six years. So, so that's what happened. She passed them through like nothing, and we were out there with maybe seventeen, twenty thousand implants in people, and I got taken off the market for two whole years. I had forty people working for me. Can you imagine trying to do that? But, but I thought I thought the the FDA was there to, you know, not only be the watchdog of the of the Food and Drug Administration and and everything else that they're empowered to do, but they're also there to help Americans and help the citizens of the United States get the very best of, of medical care. And here you've implanted this device in, in tens of thousands of people, and just because this investigator who was responsible for, I guess, approving your 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 uh, your product had gone had a personal knowledge of the other company, isn't there something here that, you know, come on, guys, you know, this is all wrong. Why didn't somebody else take it over where there was no conflict of interest? Well, you would have thought that would have happened. The problem, one of the biggest problems came in the orthopedic realm, which did the other joints, the hip and the knee were out there like mine was back Mm -hmm. in the 60s and the hip was up since 1938. But, um, they they stayed under the orthopedic division of the uh, CDRH, which is Center for Devices and Radiologic Health of the FDA. Well, those people knew what they were talking about. Unfortunately, this uh, temporal mandibular joint or jaw joint implant came under the dental group. And even though the head um, investigator and the overseer of the dental group was Dr. Susan Runner, who trained under the other doctor, Dr. McCurry, she she basically didn't have a concept of what we do in this joint or very much. And consequently, it was like talking to a barn door. It was just, and, and then they put panels together. You think, well, you're going to put a panel together and know something about uh, joint surgery and joint uh, reconstruction. Not at all. I mean, they had bookkeepers and they had, you name it, they had periodontists and orthodontists and, and all sorts of business people that didn't have a clue. And so we're now, we're, we're now speaking to these people trying to get an approval process and it was just—it was—it was laughable, except it was hurtful and hurtful to patients. You know, I—I I read a small phrase in your book that says, "Stopping innovation stops America," and that is so true, doctor. That is so true. And and how did you recover after being two years of basically out of the loop? 
Well, that was very, very difficult. I wasn't sure that I could do it. We had then been functioning for about 12 years as a mm-hmm. company, 12, 13 years. And so we piled up enough funds to for me to be able to carry this for a while. Well, we did. We depleted everything we, my wife and I had oh to be able God. to keep this company going. We went from 38 people down to 15. And this is, this is in a regulated company that equals a heart valve. Well, it shouldn't have equal a heart valve. It should have been more like a bone plate. And, and, but they put us through every test you could think of. I couldn't think of more tests than we were being asked to, uh, to do, whether it be in, in uh, pig's jaws or uh, you name it. It was just uh, ridiculous, so much so that they named two bioengineering labs after me, one at Clemson University and one at Alfred University up, up your way. And I wasn't an engineer. I was a surgeon. But I later became an adjunct professor of engineering down at, bioengineering down at Clemson University. But that's how much stupidity went into this whole thing. It was unbelievable. And as you say, how did you get through it? It was only by the skin of our teeth that we got through it and the, the favor of the Lord to bring us through it. And then then we got through the thing, but it, it was not because FDA wanted to. And I learned something since then, but I'll tell you about that when, down the road here a little bit. You know, um, your story sounds like a modern-day uh, David and Goliath yeah, uh, story. It, it really was, and I was the David and they were the Goliath, and it was an impossible odds. We we took it before our Congress people. Mm-hmm. They took it into, into uh, our representative took it into Congress, and, and the House Oversight uh, Committee, which was the House Energy and Commerce Committee, um, tried everything they could do to get some sanity in this thing, and it was just impossible. The fourth level of the government uh, runs by itself pretty much, and it just uh, can be very damaging. Let me give you an idea. There's probably 15 to 35 million Americans, and, and not including the Canadians, that have some degree of TM joint problem at any one given time. Out of that group, there's probably 5 or 10 10 million that might require some form of surgery. And here here the FDA has taken off the market the only partial joint in the whole world. The the competing company only had a total joint, and ours was the partial, the plate and the base of the skull, which Mayo Clinic says uh, corrects 95% of the problem in this joint. They've used it now for 25 years. All right, sir, stand by. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exxon Nation, our special guest this hour is Dr. Bob Christensen. He's the author of FDA, You Were Wrong. His website is www.drbobscrusade.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news with my guest, Dr. Bob Christensen, as we continue from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Dr. Bob and I return after this break. In certain circles, and it always makes me smile. I spend my time thinking. Of- 
You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show, live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network. X-Zone Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. Our toll-free telephone number worldwide is 1-800-610-7035. Our email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, xzoneradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Dr. Bob Christensen is our special guest this hour. We're talking to uh, Dr. Bob about his book, FDA, You Are Wrong. And his website is www.drbobscrusade.com. What, in your opinion, Dr. Bob, was the turning point in the, in the entire process of getting your, your uh, device approved by the FDA? After a couple of years of really haggling back mm-hmm. and forth on some things, they had an, a, a doctor brought into their uh, facility, into their uh, their agency, uh, Dr. Bernie Statland, Bernard Statland, and he's an MD, and he was um, made part of Office of Device Evaluation, I think he had it at that time. Well, he called me up one time, and he and I had a good rapport, mm-hmm. and he said, Bobby said, uh, I can't believe what they're doing to you. I couldn't sleep, he said, for two nights thinking about what what they're doing to you in this approval process. So he went to bat in there, and he had to literally override Dr. Renner and Mr. Ulitowski, the two that had really been blocking this thing all the way along. And they they kind of uh, told him, well, you're going to have problems with us uh, if you do that. And he said, I'm going to do it because it's what needs to be done. And so he did. And sometime before that, he told me how much he was enjoying his time in the FDA, come out of a practice somewhere, and was also in law school and all of this sort of stuff. Well, but then by the time I, I was through my approval process in 2001, uh, he up and quit the FDA, and within a year or so, within a month or so, he was dead. He oh had a heart attack, I think, and died, but he's only about 54, 55 years of age. So it was one of these weird situations. But his... His personal help, I think, turned that clock. Our Congress people couldn't do it. Our senators couldn't do it. But he was able to help uh, override that. We had the Wall Street Journal in op-ed. We had 75 other articles written in trade magazines, all deploring what was going on. And they were fighting this battle, David versus Goliath. Mm-hmm. And it looked like we're never going to get there. But we did. And uh, fortunately, but that wasn't the end of the story. There's more to, more to tell. How many other doctors and um, medical professionals are going through the same hoop-jumping experience that you have gone through? And how many others have the, 
have the ability to sustain the fight, whether for financial reasons or their or their uh, their faith just gives up. You know, are there, are there any statistics on this, Bob? Well, I don't know that I I have statistics, but I've certainly heard of some, and uh, I've heard of some that have literally gone bankrupt. There was a right. spine company that had had gone bankrupt after a short time trying to get just trying to get through the approval process. I know of other doctors and companies that were not able to get through and they folded. So uh, people are getting hurt Mm -hmm. by this arrogance and so forth and corruption and so forth of the FDA. And that's the thing that I decided I needed to to write a book about and be a bit of a whistleblower because very few people will have the ability or the courage to stand up and that have walked through this very thing. The interesting thing is that Senator Rand Paul writes a similar book, Government Bullies. Now, he didn't have to get in the trenches. I had to fight my way through it, but his pinpoints the, the difficulty and so forth with the FDA and other agencies. Matter of fact, he says his words were, uh, there are two major problems with the FDA and the USDA today. The first is their inflated and arrogant sense of jurisdi- jurisdiction. That's true. And the problem is, if you look at this as a teeter-totter, mm-hmm. you put innovation on one end and you put regulation on the other end, regulation became this 800-pound gorilla. And it's sinking the ability for innovators and entrepreneurs to start their companies in this country. There's a lot of um, a lot of problems within the workforce today in the United States, Canada. It's a global problem. We have a failing economy. We have strikes uh, today. There's the ongoing strike at the uh, do- the port of Los Angeles. You've got the the Walmart employees who are on strike. It, it seems that everyone is is complaining about something, and then when they get the opportunity to make the changes on the political front, millions and millions of dollars are spent on an election, and at the very end of the election, nothing has changed. What's going on? That's, ex- that's exactly right. I, I think back in just a little way, mm-hmm. coming back through the 50s when I innovated innovated this device, I didn't go through government grants and so forth to get it. Are you able to hear me? I certainly am, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't get uh, asked for any government grants to do it. Mm-hmm. But in the later years, people have gone after $10 million grants here and $5 million grants here to try to develop a better implant than, than I came up with back in the 50s, and nobody's been able to do it. And I really, believe, I, I really uh, put that in the, the hands of the Lord that gave me the, the vision to do what I did. But an attorney over here in Denver area, a very well-known fellow named Walter Garash, said to me one time, well, Bob, follow the money. But I didn't think much about that until here recently, and I got thinking, if you come up with a cure for something, and that's mm-hmm. what my partial joint did, it, it really cured the problem, uh, then it's going to block the people like the Susan Runners at NIH or at the FDA from getting NIH grants to do studies of things on this joint. And, and if you came up with a, a cure for cancer, you oh. have all sorts of people Big against time. you for the very same reason. Big time. So you uh, really do need to follow the money in this thing, and I suspect that's true in our election process a bit too. Speaking about the that's election, for you? yeah, yeah. Speaking about the election, were you surprised by the results of the pre- of the recent presidential election with uh, President Obama going against uh, Governor uh, yeah. Romney? 
I certainly was. I'm very much a conservative, and mm-hmm. and I've always had to do it my own myself, you know. Right. And for for us to put in somebody like Obama, well, somebody on the TV said this morning and yesterday, I think, well, he just lowered the bar down to nothing because here you've taken a community organizer from Chicago, and and you put him in as president for two terms, and uh, and and who has no real ability to right the ship and do the things that should be done. Uh, Romney would have been a much a much better choice, of course. And uh, unfortunately, the American people voted the other way. You uh, you made a reference earlier about your, your, your faith and, and in the material that we have here, you, you know, it refers to you as a modern-day David and the FDA as the Goliath. How has the your faith, now you're, you're an ordained minister, how has, what part of the the entire plan has your has your faith played in in your life and how do you think that your faith played into the getting the getting this device approved by the FDA well my faith has made a, a real difference in my walk in this and I really feel uh, since I've been born again Christian and so forth that that really the Lord was leading me not only in originally in developing the device but in all of the attacks that occurred since that time and there have been many it's amazing um if it hadn't been for my faith in in jesus and so forth and what he was leading me to do mm-hmm. i probably would have given up this battle a long time ago i've written about 20 22 other books most of them on christian marriage and this sort of thing but but it really made me feel strongly that i was called for such a time as this and uh, and consequently I would walk this thing no matter where it went as long as I was doing what I felt I was supposed to be doing. And that, that goes for writing this book. I didn't want to write the book. I thought, oh, my gosh, here we've just, we lost our company, went through bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. I lost everything we had. I was in 87. I was in two wars, Second World War and the Korean War, a surgeon and so forth. And I thought, and developed this and, and four other patented devices, all which were the first in the nation. And I thought, why am I in this spot now? How do I get through this? And I thought, okay, Lord, you've got a plan. I'm going to walk it. And so wrote the book, and now we're doing TV programs and radio programs and so forth to call attention to the fact that there's an arrogance and, and so forth there at the FDA that somebody needs to call out and that some correction somewhere will begin to happen. Have you received it? we don't, yeah. we're, we're going to lose the help we need for... All these millions of people, particularly 90% of those people are young women, 30 to 40 years of age. And I don't want to see my wife or my child or grandchild go through this without having some of these devices available. Tell me, have you received any feedback uh, from the FDA about your book? Not yet. I kind of laughed a week or two ago. I had open-heart surgery a couple of years ago up at Mayo. They put a pig valve in, and I saw my cardiologist, and this week or two weeks ago, and he said, uh, Bob, your, your heart's doing very, very well. You're not going to die of, of just a heart attack. I said, what am I going to die of? And he, he kind of looked at me, and I, I thought to myself, well, probably going to be a tank or a bullet <laughs> from, the, from, from the FDA. Uh, I, I haven't received anything directly from mm-hmm. them, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. How about other uh, other medical professionals that that you know on a personal basis, or that you've had the experience to work with professionally, that have read your book, that know about your fight with the FDA? What are they saying? Well, they they are very upset about uh, about the fact that we uh, 
um, for a period in there, we were off the market. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, when I went bankrupt, the whole thing's off the market. So in July 28th of this year, the Colorado Society of Royal Maxillofacial Surgeons awarded me a special uh, recognition award, and it was very well done. I put it, put it in the back of the book at the words that they spoke and so forth. So uh, many have been very um, um, supportive and so forth, which I'm very pleased with. But there have been others that have not been who could have been supportive, too. The fact that the FDA was responsible for your device coming off the market for two years and uh, and the financial burden and uh, how it devastated your life and the life of employees that you had to let go because of the downsizing, is there any any chance of legal recourse that you can take against the FDA to recoup some of your losses? Well, unfortunately, they have everything kind of rigged in their favor. Um, after getting through the approval process mm -hmm. back in uh, 2001, about three or four years later, everything's going along quite quite well, and then I get hit with a civil money penalty. That was $630,000. Trying to get rid of that was an impossibility. We went through their administrative law judge, their department appeal board, both appointed by HHS or, or uh, FDA, and then finally took it to the 10th Circuit Court of Appeal here in Denver, it was a sham deal all the way through. So it ended up leaving me stuck with that, and there was no other recourse on that other than the U.S. Supreme Court. And I, I could see our chances to getting in that were probably very, very small. It seems, as if, it seems as if the deck had been stacked against you, sir. And was there, yeah. was there, you know, like it... You know what? This is confusing the hell out of me. Why this all happened to you? I, it, it, it confuses me and confuses everybody else. We put put all of the facts in the book that I could yeah. find. I had well, I had a lot more, but but I put it in in their own words, the the people's documents and so forth, and the Congress people's letters and and so forth. So it's very well recorded. And then you see other doctors and others. 20, 30, 40 doctors writing and say, why is this happening? And so forth. It was it was just awful. But it was an agenda mm -hmm. and and there it is. And then the funny the funny part about it was after about nineteen or about two thousand seven, eight, nine, one of the lead uh, investigators here in the Denver district came to me did an investigation of our company, and then he wanted me to pay him under the table. <laughs> I put that in the book, too, put his name in there. Well, he, he he retired after 30 years, and he was only about 53 or 4, and he died a month after retiring. So it was a very, very confused mess, but it's all in the book, and it, it documents the whole story. If you have one investigator or employee of the FDA who's taking kickbacks under the table, my experience in life has been where there's one, there's many. Um, this just shows, in, in now this is only my opinion, Exonation, it has nothing to do with the opinion of Dr. Bob here, but in my opinion, this shows corruption at a very high level. It was, and I, I think it goes all the way to the top. Even the uh, commissioner, Von Eschenbach, mm -hmm. at that time, went before the House Energy and Commerce Committee and uh, through Joe, Joe Barton, and Barton said to him, can you lie? Do you, are you given the right to lie to these companies? And Von Eschenbach said, and this is in the book too, he said, well, well, no. He said, 
this was a process failure, talking about the Christensen and TMJ implant case. A process failure, it cost me my life. <laughs> and there was nothing you could do about it. It, it, and he could he could have turned that thing around that right. six hundred thirty thousand dollar fine around just like that, and and he didn't do it. Doctor Bob, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our final break. My God, this is unreal. Here we've got a doctor, a man of the cloth, who's out to help people. And what happens? The powers to be in Washington at the Washington, FDA. Put a squash on it. Try to try to just rub this poor guy out. Doesn't make sense to me. But mind you, that's government. Makes sense to nobody most of the time. Dr. Bob and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Oh, by, by the way, Exxon Nation, I'm just not pointing the finger at the U.S. government. No, no, no. And if that's the opinion you've got, please, my mistake. I'm talking about government in general. We'll be back. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Exxon. Listen, before we uh, go any further, Exxon Nation, I'd like to uh, send out a couple of hellos to the people of the Hamilton Spectator, Jeff Mahoney, a columnist uh, who is doing an entire column on the Exxon 2012 show, and uh, to the senior photographer at the Hamilton Spectator, Barry Gray, who is uh, with us this afternoon, uh, taking some photos for the article. So uh, to the Hamilton Spectator, thank you very much for your kind attention, as well as to Gord Bowes at the Hamilton Mountain news for doing a story on on the uh, the event that we're doing a 26 hour live broadcast starting let me see December the 20th at 11 o'clock at night going straight through until December the 22nd at one o'clock in the morning my guest this hour dr. Bob Christensen is no stranger to hard work dedication and putting up with the roadblocks of government he is the author of FDA you were wrong his website is www.drbobscrusade.com. And uh, Dr. Bob, as I was telling you during the commercial break, I just thank the good Lord that there are people like you out there who, against all odds, work for the betterment of humanity. And uh, I thank you for that, sir. Thank you, Rob. And thank you for having me on this program, too. Oh, it's my great pleasure, sir. What, what would you like to leave the Exxon Nation with tonight? Well, I was thinking as we were talking that you talked about the power of corruption, mm-hmm. or, or the corruption of power, I should say. And I think it was Lord Acton or somebody that said, power tends to corrupt, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And you, you look at that in the lives of the President Clinton and the Joe Paternos and Nixon, not that Paterno was all bad, he wasn't. But you see how they become the untouchables. That's yeah. what we have, I think, 
in some of this FDA people. They're the untouchables, and they wield a tremendous amount of power, and they literally are hurting patients in this country and in, in Canada, too. We, we flew a lot of people down from Canada to Mayo to do, have the procedure done that I developed 52 years ago. I think that we need to to make as much noise about this as we can so that it gets back to Washington and begins to touch somebody in that in position of power. You know, I've said this many times, Doctor, and I'm going to say it again. I'm good. Just a second. I'm getting my little uh, orange crate over here. All right, I'm getting on top. Okay, I'm going to stand up and say, it's not I, the, the person. It's we, the people. By banding together, you can make any change happen. But you've got to make that, you've got to want that change, initiate the change, and follow it through. Well, that's right on. Doctor, I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. I wish you much more success, my friend. And uh, I look forward to the next time you and I meet back here in the X-Zone. That would be fun, uh, Rob. Thank you very much, and God bless you and all the work you're doing there. Thank you very much, sir. Take care of yourself and to you and your family the very best of the holiday season. And the same to you as Laura, I think. That's right. And, and yeah, I heard that over something. So anyway, Merry Christmas to all of you. Merry Christmas to you, Doctor. Exo Nation, Thanks, my Rob. guest this hour, Dr. Bob Christensen. He's the author of a fascinating book, a great Christmas gift, by the way. The name of the book is FDA You Were Wrong. It's available at his website, which is www.drbobscrusade.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break at six and a half minutes past the hour as the Exxon continues with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. You'll be able to listen to the worldwide broadcast of our 2012 special at www.xzone2012.com. I'll be back after this break. Don't go away.